Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 26. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. And I uh, hope you had a great uh, hot summer, great Labor Day holiday, and we're uh, glad to be back on Fed Heads. And a lot of things happened in the month of August. Normally, August is a slow month in yes. Washington. Uh, I think maybe three or four years ago, that started to change a little bit. In this year, it seems like August was just as busy as it always was. Um, Chaos never takes a break in Washington, D.C. Fair point. And uh, three things that in particular that I think we should cover on FedHeads today. And I'm not springing this on you. We talked about this before the program began. You're so. letting out our secrets again. Well, I'm, you know, it's, it's not, there's not a whole lot of behind the scenes for people to see. This is arcana. There yeah. are a few things to get prepped on. Uh, the National Defense Authorization Act is in place. President Trump's already signed it. Um, the John uh, McCain National Defense Authorization Act. Yes, and God rest his soul. And condolences to his family on his loss. Uh, American hero. I mean, um, no question about there it. There are some. We've seen some dead enders on Twitter that don't agree with that, and I'm sorry if that's great word to describe them. He's a he's a national hero. Uh, so that is in place. We also saw a new uh, memorandum for heads of executive departments and agencies from OMB. It is M1823. Did our audience write that down? M1823. Who cares? Who cares what the number is? Well, I, because I. That's really well down in the weeds. No, I do. I think I like to. I, I noticed for the first time, in fact, when that came out. But the 18 is the year. I'd never figured that out yeah, before. That's the, the first time I've been able to make that connection. We should do a show on OMB memo and circular numbering systems. If you want, if the goal is to do a show that people would listen to until they heard the topic and then never listen to the rest of the show, then yes, we should do that show. I, 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 I would test that. I would test that. You might have to co- host that one by yourself. That hurts. I'm... <laughs> I'm not sure that would be for me. And the third item um, that we're going to talk about is uh, a court decision that struck down nine provisions of President Trump's executive orders. Let's start there because that— Because today is the day after Labor Day. Right, and it affects the labor force. See what I did there? That's right. One of the largest labor forces in the world. What's your takeaway from this? First of all, the executive orders themselves, and then from what's now been nullified as a result of this. Well, I think there's no secret that the Trump administration sought to limit the degree to which federal employee unions could Um, use official time and property to uh, conduct uh, uh, labor union-related activities. So their executive order did what they promised, which was try to limit that. And the federal court said not so fast Uh, and um, uh, uh, stayed several provisions of that executive order. Um, So it remains to be seen how and when those will actually Uh, get back in place. The part of this that was interesting to me, there's a report uh, on federalnewsradio.com that my former colleague Nicola Grisco wrote, where she noted that the judge in the case acknowledged in the decision that President Trump had the legal authority to put these executive orders out and then struck down these provisions of the executive order and said they, they couldn't happen 
but that the president could make these executive orders. So I'm not sure why that was necessary to point that out. Well, I'm well, not a lawyer. Seems, well, the president can issue executive orders on any topic so long as he has the authority in law to issue the provisions of the executive order. Um, so to the extent they conflict with uh, current law or there's a question that the court should decide, I think that's the basis for the stay. The stay means we're not quite so sure the president has this authority. So before you go and implement these things, don't go crazy. We got to decide them. So the next step appears to be that Congress would have to pass legislation in order that essentially says all of these things that President Trump laid out now are law. He obviously would sign it because he signed the executive order. Obviously. But, I mean, that's uh, what's the, the likelihood of that happening it's it's not zero zero okay. zero because the majority the republican majorities in the congress those that would be most sympathetic to what the president was trying to do are not going to get any better for the republicans well and they have better things to do i mean with all due respect to the provisions that are here maybe they are good for the workforce maybe they're not maybe we should do a program about that at some point um but uh, with with the end of the fiscal year coming and with the election coming and so on, it strikes me that whether it's Republicans or Democrats, these are probably not the very top of the list issues. We should do a show on this because I think one of the most urgent needs of federal government management is civil service reform. Well, I'm not going to argue with you about that, but I'm not sure this is where you start. Or I'm not sure that you do this independently of all of the other things that need to be done. That's right. I would agree with that. Okay. Um, topic two, this is kind of like the McLaughlin group. Issue two. Issue, issue number one. <laughs> Robert Shea. <laughs> I got to come up with a funny nickname. Patty, Patty, Buk, Buk. Yeah, see, I, that's what I got to get. That's right. Uh, National Defense Authorization Francis Act. Rose. What uh, can we do with that? <laughs> no, I'm the host, so I don't get oh, a name. Sorry. I'm the host, too. Well, that's true. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, um, National Defense Authorization Act. Why do we do a show without guests? Passed in August and, and, and signed into law in August. Just the fact that it's done to me strikes incredible. Me the pace of legislation actually is pretty impressive. Generally, we can talk more about that. But the, the fact that the Def- Defense Authorization Act got done in the heat of summer mm-hmm. not a, is a great testament to Congress doing its job. What do you think are the most important elements of this? Oh, you know, the Defense Authorization Act um, is huge and covers a lot of things, major impacts on our national security. But the thing that jumped out at me. Section 921 requires the Department of Defense chief management officer to certify savings of 25% by the year 2020 from the fourth estate, which, as you know, is the all the administrative functions that support our national security infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Now, that's as likely as Congress spending time on uh, – reenacting those provisions that got stayed from the president's executive order. Zero. Yeah, zero. Twenty-five percent is an enormous amount. But it it puts a marker out there. Um, The uh, great uh, professionals in the chief management office at DOD that are driving pretty hard to get there. The number there, though, that means 75 percent of it would still be there which is better than the 0% that Mac Thornberry wanted when this whole process began. He wanted to get rid of the whole thing. That's right. There's, there's also a, and I think a part of the benchmark is this, is a study that said um, DOD could save something on the order of um, $125 billion um, by cutting a lot of its administrative costs. Mm-hmm. And I don't 
I mean, it's sort of an easy thing to say when you're looking at the size of that budget overall mm-hmm. anyway. Um, other takeaways from NDAA this year? Uh, we probably don't have time. It's a, it's, um, a lot of uh, cyber provisions, um, a lot of other procurement reform provisions. Uh, so I urge people interested in it to take a good, hard look at it. Issue three. Uh, M1823, Memorandum for Heads of Executive Departments and Agencies. The subject, shifting from low-value to high-value work. I uh, honestly, I'm, I'm not. I lying. am. I am against low value work. I, I just want to go on record. I saw this, and the first thing when I saw that title was, Robert Shea loves this. It's true. It's true. I know it's true. That's why it was the first thing that I thought. <laughs> I pine for the days of the Reports Elimination and Sunset Act. Should we talk about my Senate days? No. Okay. Not today. Shut down again. That's like the third time in this short podcast no. um the part of this too that i went to immediately there are several sections i went to section three rescinding obsolete and superseded guidance and i counted 45 memoranda that this uh this memo says issued between 2005 and 2012 which more narrowly focused on only strategic sourcing and are therefore outdated omb will continue to work with agencies contractors large and small uh, on a broader vision and suite of strategies for buying common goods and services. There are six of those, a total of 45. And so I thought it would be fun because you were there from 2005 to 2009? 2002 to 2008. Yeah, I'm close. Sorry. So really, <laughs> so we know each other so well. Excuse me. Um, so a lot of these are right in the pocket. A lot of these. Oh, no. Yeah. None so, that I wrote. Well, let's, let's see. Ugh. This is terrifying. All right. Here's the quiz. Who wrote the 2005 Alternative Dispute Resolution Awards in Acquisition memo? That one is obsolete because the awards are no longer applicable. The Federal Acquisition Regulation Award. Um, what was, was it a cash award? Well, here's the challenge. I don't have the correct answer. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> which, which normally is so, what, what the game show host yeah. would have. That there would was, be a clock ticking. That was Bernie Lemon. He was uh, on the sixth floor. No, I have right. no idea. Uh, no, there's 40. But the, the Obama administration, Office of Federal Procurement Policy, I presume. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, but, but, you know, I mean, if you're in the Forest Service, you spend a lot of time clearing out brush in the forest yes. to prevent accelerated forest fires. Uh-huh. This is what OMB is doing. And if you're in an agency, you are heads down working to comply with the torrent of requirements that are imposed on you. And these are, th- some, these are things that they can no, long, no longer have to do. They can devote those resources to higher value work. Here, I really applaud the effort. Here is one that is written by someone that you and I both know very well. M0622, cost savings achieved through e-government and line-of-business initiatives, August 21st, 2006. Karen Evans. Uh-huh. Karen, the administrator of the Office of e-Gov and Information Technology, at the time responding to criticism from appropriators that e-Gov initiatives did not adequately justify themselves or the savings they would achieve on behalf of the American people. And if you tallied the amount that's been saved since that memo, um, American people be pretty proud of the service improvements and savings achieved through those initiatives. Here's what's really impressive. 
he didn't read that off a card or a piece of paper. That came out of his brain. He just has that walking around. Arcana. I can't even believe it. Uh, let me tell you where what something happened to me this week that, yeah. that kind of hurt. Mm. I was. Uh, you got a lot of. You're having a rough patch. I was you, in my the. Friend? O- I was in the office of the chief management officer uh-huh. at DoD. Yeah. Waiting to see the new deputy uh, chief management officer Lisa Hirschman. I was in there. It's beautiful. Great pictures of military equipment and everything. Lots of uh, of. Uh, um, certificates that show people in important positions and i look over and on the ground obviously destined for the trash heap yes was an executive order framed that i wrote during the mission <laughs> it was perhaps one of the most humbling things i've, I've oh had i love that i think that's wonderful yeah i wish you had a picture of that did you take a picture of it? i'm not sure i took a picture but oh, a colleague of mine was with me and he couldn't control the laughter i he bet enjoy, he well, enjoyed every minute um just a note back on uh, mo622 uh, omb rescinding it which uh, because it no longer reflects the most current omb and ofcio methods and policies for budgeting and cost accounting and omb is committed to replacing this guidance with guidance that is broadly applicable and compatible with the most current OMB data submission practices. So they at least have a reason. That's right. We have really evolved our costing, estimating capabilities, technology business management among them. Um, But I think we should start a time clock on when that guidance gets replaced. All right. Just very quickly, Section 1 is guidance to federal agencies on increasing high-value work, designate a point of contact, develop and implement strategies for shifting resources to high-value activities, and providing semi-annual updates on agency initiatives and progress. The only thing there that sounds potentially problematic is because of those semi-annual updates, does this turn into a compliance exercise at some point? There's a a reporting requirement in the reporting burden memo. Okay, okay. this is a circular well, that, this is a circular irony we get into. It says everything but, I need to know. But but if you care about wasted resources on irrelevant activities, I would encourage agencies to take this and run with it because there's a lot of stuff being done that's not really valuable and this is an invitation to inventory that, stop doing it and tell the world that you've done that. Mm-hmm. The uh, s- uh, second section of this is titled Update on Central Management Actions to Free Federal Agencies from Unnecessary Burden. And there's more here than we, we could do an entire podcast just on Section 2 of this, uh, but it relates to all the pillars of the president's management agenda. And I think there's significance to that just because it signals a, a, a continuation, a, a line of continuation among all of these policy documents that the administration is releasing managerially. And one of the things that the, the administration leaves itself open for criticism for, I think fairly to some extent, is that there's a proliferation of management improvement initiatives. They can now say, look, we're, we're replacing what we think is higher value activities. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're replacing low value activities, what we think are more worth your time and would benefit taxpayers better. Uh, it's great to be back in the podcast thing with you great to be with you i'm already having fun well that's kind of the point yeah that's right uh it's great to see you good to good to see you and thank thank you you for listening thanks for listening to the fed heads brought to you by grant thornton public sector all of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description we'd love to hear from you 
Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.